This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You guys are absolutely insane if you think Blue Balls is 10% of the Charlie horse. You're unqualified. Can to we speak not on blue balls? You know, there is a, a medical Charlie look. horse is extremely painful. It's like it's ten percent of childbirth. Los ten percent. Los down this hill. Blue balls is ten percent of childbirth. Hello there, lovers and friends, and welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast where we're talking about all things intimacy, sex, love, relationships, friendships. We are here to evaluate what we learn about ourselves during the pandemic and how we want to show up in our connections. And I'm here to guide you through that process. My name is Sham Boudram. I'm a public-facing sex and relationship educator who you might know from Netflix's Too Hot to Handle, Quibi Sexology with Sham Boudram from YouTube, or you might not know me. In such a case, Hi, welcome to the podcast, baby. That's exactly how my baby says hi, by the way. Each episode starts with a question. And today, I want you to think about this scenario. You meet up with someone you're attracted to, and naturally, they're attracted to you too. You agree to meet at a bar, and the vibe is there, without a question. Now, usually, you're not into PDA, but when they lean in with that 80%, you close that last 20 like your lips are magnetized. Their breath, fresh. Their tongue game, Goldilocks. You know what I'm saying? Not too little, where like it's kissing a cat, but not too much, where it's giving Jurassic Park. Best of all, they know what to do with their hands under the chin, back of the neck, around the waist, squeezing your shoulders. When you finally take a break to catch your breath, they lean in and ask, do you want to keep this going somewhere more private like my spot? And you do want to keep this going. Not something less and not something more, but this. So what do you say? And so she hits me back and she goes, all that is fine, but just don't think you fucking. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. So it, it hit me to my core and I and I just had to like I had to let her had to let her know like listen. What do you feel about that? If she said that to yeah, you, like, would you be out? That's is some, that different? Hey, I would be buddy? out. I'm out. I would be out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. And here's what I had to let her know before I dipped out. I said, look. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I said, I said, I want you to I, oh, this one you know I'll find you, is she <laughs> No no Regardless Cause you, now you trying me Like a yeah. simp So what, what did simp. you say What did you say to her I said Let me mm. Help you understand mm. Something mm. Break it down mm. I been getting pussy Lovers and friends Lovers and friends I'ma take you on a trip Baby I don't pretend I said Lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down Down to the end I said Today's episode is starring comedian Ashley Hesseltine from Girls Gotta Eat Podcast. My thing is like, I got to a point where, I don't know, I was just having guys like go down on me and leave. Wow. Los from Enjoy the Podcast, and as per usual, Lauren Morrison, my sister and the producer of this podcast. Well, not just say, I mean, well, can we define how long a makeout session is going to go for? Like, if we're talking like, a quick, you know, interaction, that's fine. But if you're going 10, 15 minutes of making out. That's how long makeouts are. Well, then no, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> now, you could argue that today's episode is about women getting off with men partners without giving anything sexual in return. 
You could also argue it's about the validity of blue balls or that we're here to discuss dating in a post-Me Too era. But what it really boils down to, in my opinion, is rewriting sexual and romantic scripts, especially for singles. The theoretical model of the sexual script theory states that much of what we do sexually is influenced by the scripts we adopt for mimicking what we are repeatedly modeled. The idea of sexual scripts brings a metaphor for understanding human sexuality as rehearsed interactions. For example, in the scenario that I gave you at the top of the episode regarding the date at the bar, imagine that I asked 100 people to assume the rest of the story given that the characters were binary. How different do you think each iteration of those 100 stories would be? What underwear would people assume the feminine person was wearing? What line would the masculine person say right before the sexual act ensued? What sounds did the feminine person make when they were receiving physical attention that's assumed to be pleasurable? What sexual acts did they do? What order? What compliments did they exchange before they parted ways? It's kind of interesting, right? There's so many sexual scripts that are not explicitly taught, but inherently understood by many as a series of behaviors, actions, and consequences that are expected in a particular situation. And as a cis, heterosexual, young woman, these sexual scripts fucked me. Obviously, not in a good way. So I did the math on this, and turns out that 70% of the people that I've had penetrative... Oh, why is Jared wearing a Santa Claus outfit? Oh, He's so excited. Hi, what? Did you get this for Ryu? No, I got it for our Christmas episode. Oh, wow. It's a great costume, babe. (laughs) I like the glasses on you a lot. Anyways, where was I? Okay, yeah. So I had some time today and I did the math on this. And I found that 70% of the people that I've had penetrative sex with, I consented, not because it's what... I and my body crave to do, but because I didn't really know how to go off script. And that is why today's episode is truly about empowering you to tear that script that you may not have even known has been rolled up in your back pocket all this time, the fuck on up. I actually was just having this conversation with my therapist this week. We talked about why sometimes I give in to people sexually when I'm not totally in the mood. And I think a lot of it is just like related to habit. I have believed that if someone took me on a nice date and we're chilling and that like, it's just something that I should do, like almost out of courtesy. And it's definitely not something that I want to do anymore. So I had this guy come over, everything was like lining up, like one in the morning and everything. And then we were laying in bed and then he just kept giving me fetish vibes. Then I was like, "Mm, I don't want to have sex with you. And then he was like, uh okay like that's fine in that moment i realized that that was me taking back my power and i'm so proud of it we were like uh in the middle of having sex and he noticed that i was like kind of like not as into it as normal and he asked me he said is everything okay and i said oh i'm just like going through what the grocery list and he said hold up like if you're not completely into this, then I don't want to. I don't want to do this with you. I want you to be here, present in the moment with me. And that's when I realized, like, I didn't always. I didn't have to. Um, and it took me like twenty years to realize that. I would repeatedly look for partners who would only agree to the terms when I told them, "I don't fuck, I don't suck, and I don't kiss." How much does that leave? 
just receiving oral and a lot of them were okay with it. And the ones that weren't went about their merry way. He was like, you know, let's go have a dinner and have some drinks, you know, celebrate your time at the company. Um, one thing led to another and he ate me out in the back of his car. And I didn't want things to progress past that because I just didn't know, right? And I left and the next day he sent flowers to me. <laughs> In full disclosure, on one hand, I understand that celebrating one-way street sexual activity is not a good thing. But I grew up hearing stories about men who got oral and gave nothing but directions to the door in return. So it's interesting to me to hear the script flipped. But more importantly, we need to normalize sharing diverse social sexual script stories so people are aware that they got options to choose their own adventure from the plethora of stories that they've heard or to write their own. All right, let's dive into the guest of honor. Backstory, I was a guest on Girls Gotta Eat podcast at a time that I was doing way, way, way too many interviews. So I thought nothing of our scheduled time together. But when that episode that I did with them came out, I realized that that was arguably the most influential podcast appearance I had ever done. Raina Greenberg and Ashley Heseltine have one of the top comedy podcasts. And if you know podcasts, comedy is one of the most competitive markets. They guide their loyal and savvy audience through topics about dating, sex, and relationships weekly on their show, daily on their social media, and very often in person on their highly acclaimed, often sold out live shows across the country. Ashley is today's guest and she is a creator and NYC-based stand-up comedian. But before we get into the interview, let's get into this. So I asked you for topic ideas, which is incredibly lazy of me, but- I love it. I love the list that you gave. And <laughs> I've never had somebody put this in a way that is so succinct and clear, but I have connected with this immediately. Not feeling pressure to have sex, how to say no when it feels like sex is the next natural step, but you don't want to. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I was dating, this was my superpower. And it was such an aha moment for me because I didn't realize until age 29 years old that you could even do this. Say, say no. Yes. Not or or do do get just to the point and then not go through with it. Or yeah. you could not have sex with somebody and it would be completely fine. Yeah. And fine with them too. Yes, fine with them. Yeah. So I I just think of all the times in in college in my early 20s where I had sex because I just didn't know what else to do, you know? Because I was like, I'm not going to blow this dude, you know? I'm kind of like a blowjobs or her boyfriends kind of gal. Um, but it just seemed like the next thing to do. Like we had been hooking up. And this, I'm, I'm saying like without a pressure situation, like that's a whole, kind of a different conversation where, but I mean, even the internal pressure of like, internal pressure. I, what are we supposed to do now? Um, and so I believe so strongly that you can just do whatever you want and it'll be okay on both sides. I mean, again, like, when did you realize that? Um, probably like later in my twenties, probably. And I heard a guy, podcaster, friend, comedian that we love, Jared Freed, and he said something like, I love a makeout, you know, like I can be really turned on by a makeout. I can think about that. Introduce me to this person. Yeah. I love a makeout. Yeah. And I mean, I think we have it in our heads that guys just want to fuck, you know, they just want to, and some guys do, but like, let's just talk about kind and of like the- And some do. Yeah, exactly. But you can have a hot, sexy makeout. You can do, you know, hand stuff, like whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be 
uh, you don't have to have sex. Like, I just feel like we need to get rid of this playbook that this happens and then this happens and then this happens, you know? But um, I think you can set it up ahead of time a little bit, like with what you say, like, hey, let's just make out. Like, say it straight up, you know, when you feel like you're going home with a guy or he's coming home with you or whatever it may be. Like, hey, like, let's just, like, make out, fool around. I know that sounds like something our parents would say, but, mm. um, or I want to take it slow or something like that. I, I think there's something kind of hot to me when someone said, let's fool around. Yeah. There's something that's really nostalgic and kinky and fun and playful about that. Mm-hmm. Rather yeah. than like, I want to fuck you. Right. Which is what people go to on Tinder. And I, my thing is, like, I got to a point where... I don't know. I was just having guys like go down on me and leave. <laughs> like that's a, a woman just, after my heart. It, just, it happened a couple times. So it turned into this thing. I was just like, yeah, eat my pussy and leave, you know? Yes. And it's like, they were okay with it. I was like, we're, this isn't going to be, I'm sure you would love a blowjob. I'm sure you would be like, well, if I do this, she'll do this, but sorry. And how did you navigate that space? Because I know for me, I got to the exact same. I went through a consecutive phase. I think it was like four in a row. And then I met my husband, Jared, and he was number five. But then I ended up sucking his dick next time. So it, he was like, what does it matter? You got one time on me. But there were several <laughs> people in a row that I was like, I am just getting oral and that's the end of it. But I would always preface that before the date to manage expectations. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to be very clear, which in retrospect, not sure if that made sense because that's also me admitting that I have to manage your expectations where if I said I would go out with you, my presence is a present. Right. I don't have to then say to you, but you're not going to get this afterwards. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I right. agreed to go out with you. That's where the gift is. Anything else is what's going to, it's a bonus. Right? right, right, right. But I would always say to people prior, just to be clear, we're not going to have sex and I'm not going to suck your dick. Mm-hmm. And I would say that before I arrived at the location. Mm-hmm. Because if that was your end goal, please be aware that's not going to happen. And that would also alleviate, for me, a lot of the pressure out experience because as I was making out with the person and as we were progressing and as they were kissing my neck, the entire time I would be thinking, what am I going to tell them that this is not going to lead to what they thought? Mm-hmm. But because I'd already said it, I released that guilt. Right. I'm like, I already told you what it is. So now I'm going to receive whatever pleasure you want to give with acknowledging that I already told you what you're not going to get. And so when they did, nonetheless, go down on me and then turn and ask me, you know, what's what's up? I'm like, hey, as as per the email prior, <laughs> this is where this is going to end. For my email, right, right. And I didn't feel bad about it because I had managed expectations. But even now, in retrospect, I'm like, I didn't have to even say that. Also, you know, we're in a better place, uh, women post Me Too, than we were prior. It woke up a lot of men, had them start thinking about like, oh shit, have I pressured a woman into sex or have I been predatory or things like that? So again, there's still terrible guys out there that will pressure you and um, force you into non-consensual things again. Like I can't stress enough, but I think guys are a lot better about it. And, you know, we've even gotten emails from girls where they, the guys have taken it to an unsexy level where they're like, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I touch you here? You know, where it's almost like they're wanting too much consent. Yes. And and we're like, we've gotten emails of like, why did he do this? We're like, because he's trying to get explicit consent for everything he does, you know? So that's a bit of an overcorrection, but I can still respect it. But you don't want to have to say that beforehand. It's not sexy, you know? And I think most decent guys don't need that either. Like they're, they can follow your cues. And if you say like, hey, can we just slow down a minute? They know what that means. But if you feel more comfortable saying it beforehand, I think that's fine too. The, what I guess, works for you? What's your method? Um, How I, did you get your pussy licked? The end of story. I have a lot of ease with saying things in a funny way, you know, like, like, I 
the one guy I can think of, like we were kind of like friends who would hook up from time to time. And I think he came home with me one night and I was like, you know, we're not, we're not having sex. Like we're not fucking or whatever. And he was like, that's fine. That's fine. And he just like went down on me and I was like, okay, well, I'm an early morning, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, bye. Um, I didn't sound that funny, Ash, this. <laughs> that sounded pretty matter of fact. I think I said it in like a joking way. Like, I think- Can you reenact it? What does that sound like in a joking way? Just so you know, not- <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, I was, I just think it's like light, like, hey, just like, you can come home with me. We're not fucking, you know? Yes. Like, I think also you can know how you are as, as a woman or whoever, like what happens when you go home with somebody or do you always feel like you feel pressure to have sex or you just want to? You know, I've been in situations where I kind of go into a night thinking like, um, I'm probably not going to fuck this guy. And then it happens because I just was like feeling it in the moment, yes. you know, and that happens too. But I will totally be in a situation where I go into the bathroom and like have a pep talk with myself. Like, Ashley, don't sleep with this guy. You're not, like, it's just not, you're not wanting it now. Don't like get all juiced up and want to do it. And just like, call, you know, call it after there's like some hot making out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had that experience where I went on a date with somebody and I was really enjoying the makeout. They washed my car for me. And then we went up to their, they gave me the view on top of their building. And then we had a really hot makeout, which I enjoyed. But then it was almost like the moon turned. Mm -hmm. They just became ravenous in a way that I was like, I see the pace that you're going at and Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to pump the brakes naturally. And they continued to try to like amp things up. And I was like, I'm just not comfortable. I would like to leave. I still went to my car and masturbated. I was extremely horny. Uh But I also knew that like the way that you're taking a turn and the pace that this is going, I'm not comfortable with and I can opt out. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because again, like you said, you would think that in that moment because I had to be almost aggressive with stopping Mm -hmm. things. It wasn't like a natural like, okay, I'll just see you later. It was literally like, I'm uncomfortable. I need to leave. And he called and apologized and we went on a date after that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was a big aha moment for me too of like, it's okay. Even if it is awkward in the moment, because sometimes it can be, that doesn't mean that the experience or the connection is completely ruined. And that was, again, like I said, I think a lot more women need to understand that your no one you might be pleasantly surprised how it's accepted in the moment. Mm -hmm. Or two, even if it's not comfortably accepted and it does become an awkward exchange, it doesn't necessarily mean if you don't want it to mean the end of the relationship. I love that you said that. I love that. And I feel like that was a teachable moment for that guy too. I like that you said it's like the awkward moment. Like you and I are are outgoing, like strong women. And um, I wasn't like I was now when I was in my 20s either. Like you're, you, you, you sometimes have sex to avoid the awkward moment. Yes. You, like that to the no and like, is he going to be upset? And there is a certain type of guy that will, that's going to pressure you and you can sometimes pick up on those cues early on in the night. Like if you are feeling like this person is pressuring you to even go home with them, like, oh, come on, just like go back to my place. Like after you've kind of already made it clear you don't want to do that. Like that's, the, I think that's a little bit of a red flag too. I mean, I had that happen with a guy where I was, I had an early morning, I had an early flight and I was like, I'm not, you know, I probably need to go after like this drink. I'm not, he had said like, we should go back to my place. This was also during kind of the, not the height of COVID, but when things were still, things were closing early. So I think he was kind of trying to weasel his way in with like, yeah, but this bar is going to close at 10, you know, like we should go back to my place. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And like, towards the end of the day, he pushed again. And I was like, there now there's no chance. You yes. know what I mean? Like you really showed me your true colors. I actually like said explicitly, I'm not doing this. And you still like tried again. And that's the thing too. Men should fear making you uncomfortable. They all should. We're yeah. afraid to make, and oftentimes in heterosexual relationships, to make the man 
someone feel uncomfortable or to make it awkward, they need to also feel the ramifications of making it awkward on their end. Mm -hmm. Of like, if you push too hard, you close the door here. Right. And this is an incredible door Mm -hmm. because behind it (laughs) is all of this awesome Ashley. Right, 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 right. You know, one thing I, I I thought about this a lot, I thought, I think about, especially being in like the comedic space, like the Aziz situation. In 2017, the website Babe.net published an article from an anonymous 23-year-old woman referred to as Grace about a date night with Aziz Ansari, a popular actor and comedian. This article came at the height of the Me Too movement, but was very different from other accounts about other Hollywood players guilty of sexual assault. This was a date, not a workplace harassment, and it wasn't one of many stories indicating a pattern of abuse. It was a single woman who was excited to go on a date with a comedian and excited about the prospect of being at his apartment and getting to know each other more before quickly becoming uncomfortable with what she described as verbally aggressive sexual advances. The article sparked a cultural debate on what NPR referred to as the fine line between a bad date and sexual assault. And I I have a lot of thoughts. I I think, you know, he should have been the adult in that situation. And he, you know, was much older. He's a rich man. You know, this was this this woman that looked up, this young woman that looked up to him. And, you know, I read her whole story and I was like, she wanted to leave, also wanted something more from him. And it was this like push and pull. And I'm sure she felt like, I don't know how to say the right thing to like get out of this situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But also I like kind of want, you know, him to be my boyfriend. Like it was like, oh, it was, it was really relatable. It was relatable. Yeah. I, I felt that of like, you have already done something like you've, they've gone down on you or you, or something and you feel like you owe them and like you, it would be so awkward or upset them to be like, I'm going to go now and get an Uber, you know? I think it's also okay too for you to admit that in this setting, we can't advance the intimacy in the direction that I want to go. Mm -hmm. That doesn't say we can't ever again, but I acknowledge that where you want to go and where I want to go are different directions and it's okay for me to leave. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel like even though I don't want to have sex, I still want to sleep over. Mm -hmm. And that's also not fair. Uh-huh. So you have to be willing to say, you know what? In this setting, we want different things. I think that we can end the night here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that that actually works a little bit better as well too because you're still respecting the other person's boundaries because maybe they're not comfortable just hanging out with you or just talking when they have sex on the brain. Right. Also, just like stop the moment by saying you have to go to the bathroom. I mean, that sounds so like corny, but just, they can't deny you that, right? So, you know, like, just stop what you're doing. Hey, sorry, I have to use the restroom. Go to the the bathroom. Everybody, you know, takes a breather from whatever was happening. If you felt like someone was coming on too aggressive, they were doing this, they were doing that, like, stop that momentum. Go to the bathroom. Sit there for a second, whether you have to go or not. Like, look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm going to get out of here. And then you come back, you're standing, you know what I mean? You're no longer, like, horizontal with this person. Um, They're not, like, hard grinding on you, you know, and you're able, your clothes are back on. Like, whatever it is, like, I think that's a good way to get out of a situation. Yes. No one can deny you the right to go pee. So that's actually great <laughs> advice. I think an experience I've had definitely in the past is that I have been with somebody and they've been trying to advance the intimacy. And then I just keep trying to kiss. And then I keep deflecting and then trying to kiss because all I want to do is that. But then it becomes this weird push and pull. And then afterwards it ends very awkwardly. <laughs> Because yeah. then you're just laying in bed side by side and both people feel uncertain. Where it's right. like, that's I think a part of the thing of like standing. One, you could shift the tone or two, mm-hmm. it might be time just to say like, hey, let's try it again another time in a public place mm-hmm. where I can control the pace a little bit more reasonably. I think a big thing too- Just say I gotta take a shit. Just oh, ruin the moment. That definitely- <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> you're like hot and heavy. You're like, I'm so sorry. How does your stomach feel right now? That food's not agreeing with me. Something's kind of off. That's so true. Like if you had had like seafood earlier, right. you're like, oh, I think, yeah, like that's such a funny way to get out of anything. Say so you're going to throw up. When yeah. somebody goes on a date with you, do you think good for them or do you think good for me? I, I mean, maybe good for me for like getting out there and, you know, maybe if I have shot my shot in some way. But I mean, my, I always say the best relationships are where both people feel like the lucky one, you know? So I think it, the imbalance is kind of, isn't great if, you, if one person just thinks like this person's so lucky to be with me. But yeah, I mean, I as generally think people are lucky to be able to go out with me. I think I'm like an interesting dynamic person and we're going to have a good time. But I want to go on a date with somebody that I feel lucky to be there with them too. That's like when I when I'll know it's real. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you end up in situations where you start over-investing because you feel like you owe them something more. Yeah. And I think that it's important to go out before and be like, one, this is not a date where I'm trying to get a second date. This is a date where I'm trying to see if somebody is worthy for me to want to date them again. Right. And two, even like when people say that, like, should women approach men? Like, you're not approaching a man to be like, do you like me? Pick me. I'm approaching you to say, are you interesting enough to intrigue and hold a conversation with me? Right. It's coming at it from that position of power and acknowledging that you have so much to offer somebody, I think really shifts. And I think when I made that shift for myself, I saw myself show up so much more comfortably dynamically, and also in a position of of power in relationships. I had a moment where I felt in my life, like I finally am in the right place. I'm, I'm finding my purpose. I'm doing what I love. I'm surrounded by my friends and family and all this love in my life. Like I've never felt happier and like more where I'm supposed to be. And I feel like I'm in this like snow globe of, of like amazingness and like everything surrounding me is so great and so wonderful and so abundant. And like, you don't get to kind of, you don't get to break the glass. Like you don't get to even Mm -hmm. crack the glass if you're not like worthy of my time and someone that I really like. Like I, I was like, I am in control here. Like I'm, am in the driver's seat. Like I'm not going to be bummed out by some dude, you know, that like wasn't worthy of my time in the first place. Place. And so that was, I've always been a confident person, but I felt like a full shift of yeah, like, yes, someone is going to be very <laughs> lucky to date me. But again, I want to feel the same way about them too. Going back to the Aziz thing, there was a think piece that was written afterwards. I don't know if you read that was like completely viral. I think it was a medium article, mm-hmm. but it was called Bad Sex. In essence, what she was saying is that the experience was so relatable because so many of us has had this and we chalk it up to bad sex. Mm, yes, I remember that. Where we have sex with somebody just because it feels like the next natural mm-hmm. step. Do you know when you stopped having bad sex and how has that changed your life? I don't know that there was a, a moment. I don't know. I don't really don't know that there was an aha moment. It was probably like gradual. I mean, I would say it was the most was in college, early 20s. So maybe um, I'm sure by, by 30, it was... I was like done with that. You know what I mean? Maybe that seems a little late, but um, I think I saw a lot of validation in having sex when I was um, in college because uh, I was like a little bit of a late bloomer. So I was I was 18. I just turned 18 and it was, it was a great experience. It was with my boyfriend, but I had always felt a little behind. I'd always felt like guys didn't like me as much as they liked my friends and didn't want to, you know, I, I got it in. I made out, I got fingered, whatever in high school and stuff like that. I was overcompensating a little bit, you know, I just felt like maybe a little bit less desirable when I was younger. So once I started to have sex, I just like when I have sex with a lot of people and uh, I saw kind of like value in that, you know, and having all these crazy stories and just kind of, I had to kind of grow out of that too. Like seeing validation and value in 
like having sex with a guy. We're having all these conversations around like you don't have to have sex. When is the time that you should consider having sex? Uh, you're right. So we, when you want to, and um, there's a couple things here. We did, a, we did a whole episode on this, like when to have sex with somebody and there is no answer. There's no a blanket statement at all, clearly. You know, it could be the first night. It could be, you know, however long. Um, of course, I just, it's when you like feel comfortable to do it. And also I think, I feel like, you know, if you're dating somebody like that sense of anxiety that they're not going to call you the next day or they're not going to text you. Like, if you have that, don't sleep with them. Yes. And also, physically, you should want to so badly. Like, we, uh, Nikki Glazer is a, a friend, someone we had on the show, and of course, an amazing comedian. When we had her on the first time, she said this, and I, it really resonated with us. She was like, I'm not having sex with anybody unless I am so horny and wet and like ready to do it. You know, I think that's another thing that I would find myself in situations when I was in college in my early 20s of like, I wasn't even like wet, you know, or like yeah. I wasn't even, didn't even want to. It just like sort of happened. In all the time that we've, you know, talked, I've studied sex and talked about sex. The thing that I have realized the most is that there's no consensus as to what sex means to to people beyond pleasure in the moment. Mm -hmm. In that, I mean that sex doesn't guarantee that somebody is going to fall in love with you. <laughs> it doesn't mean someone's going to be uh, disgusted by you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that someone is going to judge you. It doesn't mean that someone's going to think that you're cooler. Like it, there is no guarantee that it's going to lead to anything. It is an act that there's so many variables around that determine how somebody feels. So the only thing you should be concerned about is how it makes you feel. A hundred percent. And everybody's got their trauma and their triggers and everything, you know, we're all fucked up in some way. So you never know what it means to someone else. You, you never, we always say that too. Like having sex with a person does not mean that they're going to call you back or, or never, or call. never. Call. Yeah. So it, or it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. So it is just how you feel. Yes. I mean, obviously at the end of the day, you want to make sure that somebody else I think the two things that are important are consent and intent. Right. Consent, do you want to do this? Yeah. Intent, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. And if we're aligned on the same page, intent, if I want to have sex for pleasure and you want to have sex to further the intimacy, and I know for a fact I don't see a goal of furthering intimacy with you, I would call that and say this isn't the right fit mm -hmm. because we want different things out of the experience. And to me, good sex lasted beyond the moment and it lasted three weeks after mm -hmm. because, you know, it takes three weeks to get an HIV test. So I wanted to know <laughs> that not only am I going to not regret this three minutes from now mm -hmm. in the moment before it's actually happening, I want from three weeks to now to know that if I do decide to get a sexual health check and something happened, I would still feel good about the decision to make that. Mm -hmm. When I started to weigh my experiences in terms of that, like I was so sick and tired of waking up the next day feeling like shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we we should think about what it actually does to the female brain. Like it it releases, I can't, I can't forget which chemical. I oxytocin. Know, is it oxytocin? Okay. The cuddle hormone. Yes. The one that makes you feel attached to someone. Yes. Like it's, it, it's like science that when you do that, it's going to release this, when you have sex with somebody, it's going to release this chemical that makes you feel closer to them. Do you want to know the fun fact for that? It's actually in post-sex cuddling that the most oxytocin is released. Right. So if you do want to, and like I mentioned this, I started my relationship with my husband as fuck buddies and I was a thousand percent coming into it clear that's exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And we were consent and intent. We were both on the same page with that. I knew because I didn't want to get attached to him, there was no post-sex cuddling. Mm. So that, because I was aware of my biology, uh -huh. I made decisions around that <laughs> yeah, to yeah. ensure that I wouldn't get more attached than I wanted to. Can we talk about blue balls and how- Yes. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. A thousand percent. You know, yes. like, I, let's not let- It's like a Charlie horse. 
but way less painful. <laughs> and you can jerk off. Yes. Like whatever. Or it just gets soft. Yeah. Which happens too. Just going back to our initial conversation of like these things that make you feel pressured to have sex with somebody. Let's let's not let that be one of them. Oh, let's take that off the table completely. Especially, I just had to get it out there. Yeah. Because there's so much at stake. I mean, for many people, uh, their lack, their self-esteem, their sexual health, possibly their future in case it, this results in a, a child. If you're having sex with somebody right, that right. you're like compatible with in that way, that all those things exist. The fact that you're going to have a 10% Charlie horse in your nuts for seven minutes maximum should yeah. not be enough to persuade me into this decision. I would say if some guy ever says, okay, okay, well, if we don't have sex, I'm going to get blue, anything along that line. I think it's a massive red flag. It's a blue flag. And just like be done with that. It's a crazy thing to say. If you don't have sex with me, if you don't let me penetrate you, my balls are going to hurt. You're the worst. Yes. <laughs> you know, like it's not just, no, absolutely not. Shout out to Ashley for sharing her always hilarious stories and candid experiences. To get more of Ashley, make sure you check out Girls Gotta Eat podcasts or follow her on her socials at Ash Hess. That's A-S-H-H-E-S-S. Okay, so to balance this conversation out, I wanted to talk to a single man. So I'm bringing on my close friend and second husband, Lowe's, who is a co-host on Enjoy the Podcast, which you might recognize as also a podcast that my husband, Jared Brady, is a co-host on. And I am also bringing on Lauren Morrison, who is the first lady of this podcast. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. And I also can't wait for you to hear this. Welcome to Lovers and Friends, the podcast. Thank you. Looks very similar to Enjoy the Podcast, Dose of Lows, and my YouTube channel. But it's different. <laughs> never had the sandwich. You've never Same been sandwiched hero. before. Different boots. <laughs> that <laughs> <He> worked. <was> prepped. <laughs> I had a call beforehand. Okay. Well, speaking of being prepped, you listened mm -hmm. to the previous dialogue. Yes. I and I don't know dialogue. you to take notes, but apparently you did, which there makes some me- issues. I want to dive into those, please. First thing. Yeah, guys like a makeout, but we like to fuck. You're going to speak as a representative for all penis carriers? Not all, but the majority. A lot of guys, most of us, are not going to be satisfied with just a makeout session. There are some that will be. I'm not saying all of them, but for the majority, I would say probably 70-30 want sex. I should have worn my T-shirt. I have a T-shirt that says, just so we're clear, all I want to do tonight is kiss. And I would say, just so we're clear, I'm not coming over. Great. Perfect. Fine, I will. Don't start my engine if we're not going anywhere, okay? <laughs> You're going to turn the car on, take it out We're the going to experience an intimate exchange that is flirty and romantic and passion-filled and lust-filled and desire-filled where we get to tell each other through mm -hmm. saliva how much we really want to experience the rest, but we won't. I guess you know what it is for me. A makeout has to be in the appropriate setting for me to enjoy it fully. And I'd rather not have a makeout session when we're home alone in an intimate environment. I'd rather it be... Like in a club? Not in a club. Oh, I love a club makeout. Not in a club. Not that, not that what? level What? You don't like a maybe, club makeout? on the beach or something going for a walk. Some type of thing like but that. But is it somewhere where you know that it's really not going to go any further? Like we really have to change locations if it was going to go further. Correct. So then your note I'm perceiving is that 
hey, if you just want to make out, be clear that 70% of men, which is a loose estimation, loose estimation based on what research one. you've done, I'm not sure. I but asked 10 guys, seven of them said that uh, they don't want to just the make three? out. Who were the three? Give them chance number. <laughs> no, Lauren. No, I'm not giving them Shan's number. <laughs> so does that mean that uh-huh. your preference is, hey, if you just want to make out, be very clear with that at a time of your intentions because you may lead somebody on. Well, not just that. I mean, well, can we define how long a makeout session is going to go for? Like, if we're talking like a quick, you know, interaction, that's fine. But if you're going 10, 15 minutes of making out, like at this point. That's how long makeouts are. Well, then no, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Otherwise, just, know is your note most, just don't do it. Be aware of the time. <laughs> <laughs> be aware of the time spent making out. Because the, What's the, the ideal the, time we're on it? For me? What's the, it's like comfortable where if, you're if like, I will accept leading, this not going anywhere right, further. If it's not going anywhere, eh, let's keep it to 90 seconds or less. Whoa. Because I think the point of that episode was really to indicate that for a long time, because a lot of people who are women who have sex with men feel this, what you're saying. Yeah. They feel like men are really just there to try to orgasm or, you know, get to sex, whatever that is defined as to that person. And we're not always there for that reason. And as a yeah. result, you could start to overinvest for fear of letting somebody down. But what we learned is that you don't necessarily have to go there and things can still exactly. be okay. And I, and that's one thing as well. Like you can just say, Hey, I just want to hang out and watch a movie and that's it. Like, I don't, I don't even want to make out if, if I, if I'm aware that making out is kind of like a thing for you, that's going to make you want more. Let's just hang out and watch a movie. Let's not do anything further than that. And that's good too, because if a guy can't do that with you, then he's not really there to get to know you anyways. I feel like in my experience, when I've done it, when I didn't really want to do it, it wasn't like this extreme pressure. It wasn't like this, come on, baby, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't like that. It was just very like subtle, like you feel it, I feel it. And I was yeah. like, I don't feel it. Yes. But <laughs> it's awkward for me to tell it, you that I don't. It's awkward for me to say, it's awkward for me to tell you anything else. So I'll just kind of go along with it, but I'm not really into it. So it was never, it never felt aggressive. It never felt like I was being forced. It, but to your point, it was like, I just feel weird letting you know that we're on very different vibes. Right. Well, that's part of the social scripts too, that you're told like you kiss and you get a base one and base two. And then that's what the person is after. So you adopt these social scripts and then you start to fill in the blanks, even if the person didn't say it. But I think that what she said was, and maybe personally for me, what I really reflected on when um, Ashley said was, you know, okay, well, why did I go along with it? Like, why, why, if it wasn't, why, if there was an easy out, why in my early twenties, was it like that? And she was talking about the fact that she was such a late bloomer in that area. So there was this sense of being behind. And I know for me, like, again, I resonated with that story in terms of boys didn't like me Mm. until I was maybe 18. I was like invisible. And then suddenly I'm 18 and people thought I was a new girl in high school. But it was that sense of like, everyone always wanted everyone around me, but never me. And now I'm getting this attention. So I kind of feel like that pressure to myself to give into it because like, here's what you wanted, right? You, you wanted people to pay attention to you. Now they're paying attention to you. So here you go. Did you ever watch this old school YouTube video that's called Give Me the Butt Cheeks? It was a really popular video. (laughs) Different search histories. Where I can't remember the guy's name. I'll put a little clip in it. 
I remember I was dealing with this one girl, and I'm not gonna say her name. So we go out and we have dinner at Red Lobster, and everything was wonderful. Laughing, kissing, playing footsies. Pull up to my house, get in my room, and before I can even shut the bedroom door, we were going at it. Kissing, tearing off clothes, rolling around on the bed. I get her down to her bra and panties. My dick so hard, I could chop cocaine with this motherfucker. I started to slide down her underwear and she grabbed my hand. Baby, I don't know if we should do this. And then she reaches her arms around my neck and pulls me down to her and whispers in my ear ever so gently. Because I don't know you like that. Oh, snap. You don't know me like that. But you knew me when you was eating $30 worth of snow crab legs. You knew me then, right? Like, you can't take somebody out with the expectation that they're going to have sex with you because you fed them some steak. That's very immature. I used to always have a fear, though, of allowing men to pay for anything. Like, don't buy me drinks. Don't buy me dinner. Like, if we go for dinner, I'm not getting the steak. I'm not getting the lobster. Because the the fear of you're going to think I owe you something. Yes. So, like, that was a narrative that even though I hadn't directly experienced it, that was always something that I was like, I'm not setting myself up for that. So I, I've never actually had a dude ever buy me a drink at a bar. But I think that that's what I was trying to prevent is the narrative in the back of my mind of like, mm-hmm. when do I say it? When do I say it? With not wanting that person to, one, get angry, which I don't know if that could leave someone I just met. And number yeah. two, for things to get awkward necessarily. Or three, and I think worst of all, for me to feel like it's too late now for me to say no and me having just because sex. I still feel like if you're with a decent guy, cross the bridge when you get to it. And can you expand on that for me? Mm-hmm. Does that mean right before you start making out? Does that mean mm. when you can sense that there is the conversation is going in that direction or the vibe is there? Okay, so a good, I guess a good example is I've been in, you know, the preemptive stages of a makeout session and I'll go to grab the booty. And then, you know, we have a little hand tap. Like to me, that's the moment right there. And I've had that happen when she's like, hey, you know, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Can we just kiss? And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I keep my hands on your waist. No problem. And um, I'll never see you again. And I'll never <laughs> see you again. Um, no, but, which is okay. Which no, but I appreciate that honesty in that moment because I don't want to, I don't want to make somebody feel bad, and I have done that before. I have been similar to the Aziz situation where it's like, oh no, you know, come on, and like I've been told, oh, I don't want to kiss, and I've kind of came back and you know kissed the neck again or done this. And fortunately, I had somebody that was patient with me and sat me down, and explained to me what I was doing, and you know, I had to be made aware. And then once I was. I felt like a piece of shit and it was something that I made sure I didn't do again. But had she not told me how she had felt and instead, you know, maybe went along with what was happening, she may have felt terrible. And then I would have felt terrible the next day. Who knows how that whole situation plays out? But the fact that she was just like, hey, no, like, understand this is what's happening. I need you to really stop and respect what I'm telling you. At that moment, it just it cooled my my jets completely. And then I'm just like, oh, shit, okay, I'm sorry. I think the Aziz uh, story was such a relatable one because so many young people, especially young girls have like just because experiences Mm -hmm. and it's awkward not to, but because even when you say it's about communication, I also acknowledge that you're not taught the script. You're not taught how to do that. And you're not even necessarily prepped for what to do in those moments. And the, the sad thing is I would even say that we're probably taught to keep going. I think that men, we're, in a weird way, it's almost like uh, like Pepe Le Pew. 
right? Like he just mm. keeps going. And even though she's like, dude, get off me. Like here he can boink, 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 boink. He's right back. It is a script that to your point, the way that people usually follow it, or if yeah. they are taught anything, it's taught to persist. Yeah. I think that was the great thing that Me Too really illuminated for me was I had amazing conversations with male friends who were like, yeah, but like when a girl says no, she just is really saying like, try harder, right? And exactly. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm, it's fascinating that you thought that. I yeah. also think too that there's scripts on the other side that I've had to debunk for women where, hey, when a guy says I'm not interested, that doesn't mean like I'm so emotionally hurt. Please keep loving me until I can open my heart to you. I'm yeah. not interested really does mean like I don't want a relationship. Um, so I think that, that there's there, we both kind of fill in the blanks in different ways that are not necessarily beneficial um, mm. to the individual or to the the partnership. But it made me realize like, wow, like that's really the scripts that men get. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it definitely is. But I think that you're right. I think that a lot of that is changing. And Me Too probably was a huge catalyst for that because it did kind of just force a mirror in front of a lot of guys' face, every man's face, and not only that, but it just pushed that shit to the front of, you know, media, social media, all that, and made people actually pay attention to it. Back to my list. Back to the notes. Okay. Um, you guys are absolutely insane. If you think Blue Balls is 10% of the Charlie horse, you're unqualified Can we not on Blue Balls. You know, there is a a medical, Charlie horse look. is extremely painful. It's not blue balls. Let me tell you that right now. Do the you way know? that people respond to Charlie horses, I have not seen somebody respond with blue balls. That was my reference point. I, a Charlie horse will have you writhing in pain. Have you seen somebody experiencing full blown? Maybe I have it. I've never seen one full writhe. Full blown epidemal hypertension. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> ep Epididymal. Ep You're a doctor. Epididymous, right? Epididymous. Yes, yes. Ep Epididymal. Epididymal. It was in the notes. It is excruciating. It's like it's 10% of childbirth. Los. 10%. Los. I would die on that mountain. I would die on this hill. Blue balls is 10% of childbirth. It is terrible. You're literally just sitting there with your ball sack swollen to all hell. And then the thought that, oh, just go jerk off doesn't work like that because I'm over here pounding this thing. What do you think my hand's hitting? My balls, which are swollen and in pain. So no, it's hard. You can't jerk off with blue balls. You got to ride that shit out. You know what you can do? Ice it. That's the only thing you can do. I guess I've had multiple conversations and I've watched several videos. I've never heard someone describe it quite as painfully as you, which makes me feel like, do I send you to a doctor or do I now go back to school to learn more? Or is it a mix of both? I think it's a mix of... No, you just need to learn more. Okay. No, <laughs> it might be a mix of both. Is there but something is, wrong with you? It or is very Do painful. you need a urologist or do I need more education? I, I think the men that watch this video will agree with me that it is way worse than what y'all Because you have heard before is. that blue balls is considered a myth and it's a thing that men are taught to say is a script for coercion. Well, I mean, if you're using that as your, like, that's if that's your line to try to have, like, just pack it up, buddy. Just... But any guy that's sitting there telling you, I'm going to have blue balls, well, let him have blue balls. He'll be okay. Like eventually, He may not be okay, be which okay. is the point. No, you'll be okay. He's that's going through 10% childbirth. It's going to hurt. You'll survive. Your balls won't fall off. And it's also just a really shitty thing to say. Like, come up with a better line.
Before we get into my final thoughts, can I say my final thank yous? Thank you to Ashley, who again, you can find on the mega popular Girls Gotta Eat podcast. And thank you, Los and Lauren. You can find Los on Instagram at BlameLos. Also make sure you listen to Enjoy the Podcast, a weekly pod hosted by Los, JD, and my husband, Jared Brady, where they share with women everything that their man won't. Also, fun fact, Lauren also produces that podcast. Lauren is an executive coach and performance strategist who lends her talents here on this podcast, but also gives her career and course changing tips out for free when you sign up for her mailing list on maketheshiftcoach.com. You can also follow her, which you should already be doing on Instagram at this is Lauren Elizabeth. Speaking of mailing lists and things you should have already done, you can join my list on shanboudram.com slash list and by now. Listen, I'm not going to say this. There's 1.7 thousand reviews on Apple. I know for damn sure, because we read analytics, there's more than 1.7 thousand of you listening right now. And I don't know why you haven't gone, but I will tell you this. If I see you in person and we're having a lovely exchange, I am going to ask to see your phone and to see your podcast app. And if I see that you haven't rated yet, I'm not going to give you a sticker. And I walk around with them and they're great. So do what you got to do. All right. So my final thoughts in this episode, I want to say off the top that I owe an apology to people with penises for making assumptions about their experience with blue balls. Since this interview, I have talked to more penis carriers and I have heard things similar not as extreme, but similar to what Los is saying. So I definitely have to do more understanding in this area. And once I do do that, perhaps I will bring those findings back here on the podcast. Lastly, don't let this be where you leave this conversation. And that is a huge note I want to make. I know I always say that, that I want you to take this podcast as a jump off point for a further discussion, but it's really important, especially when we're talking about debunking social and sexual scripts. In order to eradicate the scripts that are harmful or plain useless, we have to talk about them. They often end up being the elephant in the room, the assumptions that are being made that no one is directly addressing. And it's almost like when the spell is broken and someone snaps their fingers, you can all realize that we've been playing a part that is so inauthentic and so out of alignment with what we know is best for us. So whether it's with your partner, your friends, your coworkers, or the young people in your life, I genuinely hope that you address the elephants in your rooms and bedrooms. Lovers and friends, I'm going to take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said, lovers and friends. I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. Said- Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shamboodram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, 2 West Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hong. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher.